Hello and welcome to the Driver Hire podcast. My name's Tony from Driver Hire Croydon and Sutton. Hello, I'm Gary from Driver Hire in Colchester. We represent two of Driver Hire Nationwide's network of over 100 offices and we decided to get together to create a series of regular podcasts for people who want to know more about Driver Hire but principally to provide hints, tips and tricks to help our drivers be the very best that they can be. Hi Gary, how are you doing? Hello Tony, lovely to see you again. Yeah, likewise, yeah, how's uh, how's things in Colchester? Well, I've got to say, the sun is out, people are so nice, it must be because we can see the light at the end of the tunnel, everyone is happy, we're all busy at work, and we're looking forward to be able to go and do normal things in the near future. Yeah, I agree. Things are definitely on the up here. So uh, um, customers getting busier, more customers coming back. So definitely on the path back to normality. Good. So this week's episode, Gary, is called Taxman. And I've called it Taxman because um, I'm, I'm carrying on with the with the song themes. We had, um, we had I Can See Clearly Now last week talking about the direct vision standard. So this one's Taxman. So who did Taxman? Well, the Beatles done the tax man, and anyone who knows me will know I cannot sing for toffees. I'm the world's worst singer, and I thought I might have a go at this one because they actually talked through it, and I can't do this one either, so um, I'm not even going to attempt it. <laughs> so do you, want, do you want an extra bit of music truth to go with the Beatles tax man? Yes, please. Uh, so, you remember the jam, Paul Weller and the jam? Yes. And their song Start, well, they, they borrowed that riff from... Taxman. I think there's like one extra note on the end of the riff, but it's a, it's it's the same it's the same riff. So yes, look out for that one. But the reason we've called it Taxman is because we're talking about IR35 this week. But I'm not going to talk to you about IR35 because, as I often say, there's no flies on you, Gary. You will have spotted that there is a third person on this call, and that third person is Jeremy Neal, who is Driver High UK's Managing Director. So, Jeremy, welcome to the podcast. Hi, guys. Thanks very much for having me on. I listen to your podcast regularly. I was interested to see how you were going to work your uh, your song themes in. I didn't know of any titles that included the words off-payroll working regulations. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I thought you might just use a Gary Barlow song. <laughs> so, what, there, there isn't like a, a Spice Girls hit called off-payroll working regulations then? I was as surprised as you are when I looked it up and there wasn't one there. <laughs> um, so Jeremy's here to talk to us about IR35. So IR35 is the, is I suppose, the big news of the recruitment industry, particularly the driving recruitment industry at the moment. But before we get into that, Jeremy, do you want to just explain a little about what you do at Driver Hire? Sure, yes. I'm the Managing Director for Driver Hire UK which is the franchisor that provides support services to all of the 100-plus driver hire offices around the UK. So myself and my team provide uh, central marketing, finance, sales, support functions to all of the driver hire offices. So uh, IR35 is, is, as I say, the big news of the moment. Um, but what is this IR35 thing that everybody's talking about? Yeah, well, it's uh, it's big news, isn't it? And I suppose the first thing to say is it's been big news for a while because it was meant to be coming in this time last year and it was delayed. 
It uh, came in in the public sector in 2017. So it's a well-known piece of legislation that people have been, uh, shall we say, looking forward to or, or, or anticipating. Um, and as you guys will know, although it's called IR35, it's actually the off-payroll working legislation. It, it doesn't make a change to the IR35 regs. It just interprets them differently and puts the, the onus on um, on the employer rather than the, the driver to decide who is self-employed and who isn't. As a franchisee, I currently have two or three limited company drivers. So how is that going to be changing after April? Yes, well, for, for driver hire and indeed for the rest of the uh, the industry, really, there are very few exceptions. Uh, drivers can't really pass these tests, so they will all have to move on to a, a traditional PAYE type in, employment method. I understand there's a, there's a tool to... Uh, that you can use a government tool that you can use to determine whether you are potentially able to be self-employed or not. Yes, HMRC have published a tool called the CES tool. As you say, it's available if you just if you just Google it, and it's there to help employers uh, ask a series of questions about the roles for which you're engaging someone, and it will give you a determination at the end of that about whether or not the role, which is what it's all about, you are looking to hire someone for passes the IR35 test and is self-employed or fails it and is therefore not. Can I just clarify, is the end user who should be using that tool and not the driver? Absolutely. The implications of the the new regulation, the off-payroll working regulations, is it moves the liability for that determination onto the end user, the employer. So they're the ones who need to put the roles they're going to hire for through the uh, the CES tool, and then deal with the consequences of the, uh, the determination. The reason I ask that, I do follow a lot of forums on Facebook and so on, and most drivers are doing this test tool themselves and think they fall outside it. And uh, I get very frustrated when I know it should be the end user, and it's obviously they are wrong in, in doing this. Absolutely. All you need to do is read the questions and realise that the questions are aimed at the person who is hiring the role, not the person who is doing the role. So somebody somebody trying to make a determination about whether a driver can be self-employed or not, what what kind of things are the other questions within that test that that would show whether somebody could be self-employed or not? Well, this is a fairly well-established, the tool is new, but the, the tests are very old. So the, these kind of determinations have been around for a long time and they, they're quite well known. You know, they're things like, can you determine your own charge rates for the, for the role that you're doing? Do you risk suffering loss if you do a good or a bad job? So do you still get paid if you, if you do a bad job or do you get paid regardless based on the number of hours you work? Uh, do you provide your own equipment is another one of a, a good test. And you substitute yourself. So can you just send someone else to do the job in the way that um, an electrician or a plumber or a builder, if you engage them, they could send someone else to do the actual work. All you're doing is engaging with the um, uh, with, with the building company. Uh, so the right of substitution is one of the tests. There are a number of tests out there, but uh, that's the, the, they're the main ones. So uh, agencies have employed limited company contractors, personal service companies, for for years um, and this IR35 test isn't new so how come agencies have been able to employ those people or engage those people on that basis should I say when they haven't or wouldn't have been able to pass that IR35 test previously? 
Well, the reason why the rules have changed is, is because the determination used to sit and therefore the risk used to sit with the individual. So an individual could say, yes, I think I'm uh, self-employed and therefore they could benefit from a lower tax rate and have less employment rights. So they were never really able to, if you like, it was just that the rules weren't really being enforced and there is a substantial tax benefit to doing it in this way. Um, I think the you know HMRC have always taken the view that um, there were too many people self-employed when really they should have been employed. And the aim of this legislation is to is to level that playing field and move everyone into that employment type arrangement. I've seen in the press and um, heard lots of things and rumours that um, the traffic commissioner doesn't like to see limited company drives. Have you heard anything or seen any press about it yourself? Yeah, that's absolutely right. I've seen the press and I've seen the traffic commissioner's findings. It's not actually directly linked to this change in legislation, but I think the change in legislation has maybe brought it to the fore with the traffic commissioners as well. So the traffic commissioner's view is that to be compliant with your operator's license, all the drivers that you put into your vehicles need to be fully PAYE. They need to not be self-employed. They need to be properly employed either by you or the agency, um, and they need to be uh, on the on the PAYE system. So the Traffic Commission has made a number of specific determinations for operators saying, in order to remain compliant with your license, you need to have all your drivers PAYE. Um, and he's also issued some general press statements to all operators saying that that's the, that's the view that they're taking. So, yeah, absolutely. So... There's going to be quite a number of drivers that are currently working on a self-employed basis for, for agencies who are going to have to move over onto a PAYE arrangement. But it's not all doom and gloom on PAYE. There's there's quite a lot of benefits to being you know, a PAYE employee. No, there is. I mean, we do in-house PAYE. And in the um, first three months of the pandemic, I had a phenomenal amount of people on furlough. And as a word we've never used before, I've seen before, I didn't understand it, but it helped a lot of people have an income come in from the government and we paid out directly to them. And that wouldn't happen if you were a limited company person just started up. So that was a great advantage to them as well. And we accrue holiday pay as well for the pay, for the drivers. Also, if you consider that you've got agency drivers who are working in a way which is more tax efficient for them, what that surely means, if you need a, a certain amount of money going into the revenue on an annual basis, surely that means that all the people that aren't on that arrangement are having to pay a little bit more in order to cover the people that are paying a little bit less. So I can't help thinking that um, making it very difficult for somebody to be able to work on that arrangement now will create a level playing field for everybody. It's got to be. It's got to help everyone across the board. Uh, we've got to be touching on Umbrella. I don't want to get into depth with Umbrella because there are some really good schemes out there and there are some dreadful ones as well. But we all look at headline rates. Um, but we need to get to that level playing field so we know, understand what the true PAYE rate is. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And also, uh, as an agency, private hire obviously is my, my primary concern. Uh, we're an agency that tries to do things correctly. There's a lot of other agencies out there trying to do things correctly. This change in the law should create a level playing field because what was happening before was you were getting a competitive advantage for being non-compliant. So an agency or an end user out there who was prepared to bend the rules, perhaps use drivers self-employed when they weren't really meant to be self-employed and therefore do them out of employment rights too. But they were able to be cheaper because obviously the driver's paying less tax, the employer's paying less national insurance. 
therefore you can provide a cheaper rate. So by not having the rules in place as they are now, you were giving non-compliant operators a competitive advantage, which can never be a good thing. So in practical terms, then, with this new legislation coming in April, what things will change? Well, the largest uh, difference between uh, between the old world and the new world, the effect this legislation has, is to move the responsibility and the liability for determining if an individual is self-employed from the individual to the hirer, so the end user and the agency. So free this legislation coming into force, the driver or the worker, the limited company that was being used could determine for itself whether it thought the role it was undertaking was um, uh, was genuine self-employment or not. And if it got it wrong, its liability to the taxman was itself. That liability now gets moved up the chain to the end user and to the agency who's hiring them, if there, if there is an agency. So in practice, what that means is that the uh, the end user will need to make a determination on all the roles that they use uh, workers for, and they will need to use the CES tool to make that determination. They will then need to pass that determination to the agency, and the agency will need to make sure that the users, the uh, workers that they put into place are correctly employed for the role that they're doing. And if someone gets that wrong, the liability for the unpaid tax and the fines will go up the chain to the agency and to the end user if it's not done properly. So if you have one of these um, contract sites, you know, perhaps uh, an agency on site with a large supermarket RDC or something with hundreds of agency drivers, all with, you know, £10,000 tax bill each or something, in, in this new world, the inland revenue could go to the agency who quite probably couldn't pay that amount of tax on behalf of all their drivers and could then end up knocking on the door of perhaps that supermarket. That's exactly how it would work, yes. If you're talking about a lot of workers over a period of time, the ultimate bill could be quite large, and then there are fines on top of that as well. The first port of call for that fine and those underpayments, as you said, would be the agency. Um, But yes, in the majority of cases, the agency wouldn't be able to cover it, and then it would pass to the end user. And um, so in in practical terms then, Jeremy, for for us as a a business, what, what is now our stance? Well, driver hire's position is, as of April, that we won't be supplying any PSC, limited company self-employed drivers, because we don't believe, and I think it's a view shared relatively commonly among uh, among people, that drivers, a, a traditional agency driver can't be self-employed. You know, they aren't providing their own equipment. Uh, they aren't suffering loss. Uh, they can't provide a substitute because they have to be registered and their licenses need to be checked. So our position is quite clear. We'll be moving to be absolutely fully PAYE as of April. So is that a major change for us? Have we got a lot of work to do to achieve that? Well, driver hire is well positioned because our view has been along this line for a while. Uh, other than a few specific instances, we have very few self-employed uh, PSC type arrangements in place anyway across the on average we've got about three and a half thousand drivers a day out to work and again on average about seven percent of them were uh, PSC so uh, that number is already substantially reduced and by April it will be zero. I know we've got a lot of national accounts I guess you've been speaking to those as well what's been the feedback from them the national accounts, and I'd be interested to hear from you guys what the, what the local customers have been saying, but but certainly at the national level, uh, because of the multiplication of risk effect that Tony was just describing, their 
uh, overwhelming concern. We've not had a single different voice from any of our national customers. They want to know that we will only provide, be providing them with PAYE workers, and they want to know how we're going to prove it as well. So they want uh, an increased right of audit and an increased visibility over what we're doing to be able to show them that uh, we are properly accounting for PAYE with all workers. Actually, it's, as I mentioned, relatively easy for us to do um, and relatively reassuring that we've not had any national customers saying, oh, is there a way around this legislation or, or a dodge or anything like that? So a uh, national level reassuring, a bit more work for us to do on an audit perspective, but actually uh, very positive. Well, to answer your question, Jeremy, uh, um, about what local customers are saying, um, certainly in this part of the world, the way I've approached it is literally to, to ring the decision maker in every single one of the customers one by one, just to just to have a conversation about it and explain what it is. And I would say I'm going to generalise a little bit, but most of the conversations went something like this, which is, oh, yes, IR35, I've heard about that. I know I had to do something about it and I haven't quite got round to it yet. Um, what are you doing about it? And once I've explained that we're just not going to be engaging individual limited company drivers and we'll only supply a PAYE worker to our customers, what's generally happened then is the customer said, I didn't expect it to be any different at all from a company like Driver Hire. Thank you very much for letting me know. And, and, and that's kind of put that problem to bed for them. So I would say the answer to your question, Jeremy, is relief and comfort from local customers. And um, and Gary, can I th- can I throw a question at you about your drivers and and how your drivers are feeling about uh, this change in in legislation? I've got two limited company drivers um, at the moment, and both are coming to me as straight full PAYE um, drivers. One is coming on with accrued holiday pay, and he's really happy because he's never had taken proper holiday as a limited company driver before. So he's got to be taking some holiday soon. I don't know if I'm keen on that because I need his time. So he sees that as quite a positive then? Oh, massively. And um, the other one is doing a, a system where he's getting it paid weekly into his wages. From my perspective with drivers, it, it's kind of something and nothing because uh, I think at the beginning, Jeremy, you said that this this change in, in the... Um, in the treatment of personal service companies, which we're all calling IR35, that was due a year ago. But because of what was going on with COVID, it was a piece of legislation that the government batted off for, for 12 months and has obviously come in now. But from our perspective, we, we only had about a half a dozen or so anyway at that point, but we stopped using those drivers with that arrangement back then anyway, and we haven't taken on any more since. So the, the work for me was done 12 months ago, and any people that have approached us for work since then, we've explained that we're not going to be doing it moving forward, so why not go on to a PAYE arrangement? And so that's kind of what one part. And the other part um, is people that say, well, thank goodness. Thank goodness we're now getting to that level playing field where I'm not paying tax on behalf of somebody else that's in their minds getting away with it. Uh, so I think it's a positive in general for drivers. I certainly agree. I think that um, the elevated A rates, if you like, that were talked about, they talked about a headline rate that went to the limited company. There was still a load of cost to come off that in terms of um, you know accountancy fees and all that sort of stuff that had to be paid. And there were none of the benefits like holiday pay, sick pay, things like that. 
So actually, this just goes back to the point about level playing field. When a driver looks at a job advert now and the job advert says they'll get paid £12 an hour or whatever it is, everyone should know what that actually means as opposed to before you had to then say, well, is that £12 an hour on this model or that model or the other model? And what does that actually mean in terms of take-home pay? Uh, this should remove a load of that ambiguity and make it much fairer for drivers, I think. Well, that's great, Jeremy. Thank you very much indeed for coming along and joining us and explaining IR35 and personal service company legislation. I think it's on the on the surface of it, it sounds you know quite kind of technical, um, but in reality, what you've just concluded is that we're very likely to end up in a situation where we've got a very level playing field for all drivers, and that's got to be a good thing. When you told me you were coming on about the personal service company, it was the kind of chat I was thought we we're going to have, though, gentlemen. <laughs> I don't think we'll uh, ask any more about that, Gary. Really, <laughs> I know you've been, uh, I know you've been on your own in self-isolation for a year. Perhaps it's a bit too long. <laughs> So, Jeremy, thank you very much for joining us. It's been great having you along. Thank you very much for having me. I've really enjoyed it. I know it's a slightly technical topic, but it's extremely important and big for our industry. So, uh, and I really enjoy your podcast, and I think you're doing a great job for driver hire. So, thank you. Excellent. So, if you have enjoyed it, please do rate, review, and subscribe. And we'll look forward to speaking to you again next time. Thank you very much, everyone. Speak soon. You've been listening to the Driver Hire podcast, and thank you very much. And as goodbye from myself, Gary Richards at the Colchester office. And from me, Tony Gosher from the Croydon and Sutton office. If you'd like to get in touch with us, along with all the other Driver Hire offices, you can find us at driverhire.co.uk. Thank you very much for your time. Bye-bye.